Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the great show on Earth that is Talking Terror. <clears throat> so sorry about the delay, guys, uh, coming on air. We had some technical dis- uh, difficulties coming in. We figured them out. We got it done. So we are here. Uh, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this fucking crazy episode because we're going to be talking about some things, but, of course, what happens? We have technical difficulties. But, nevertheless, we are back here with you. The ghoul will be here shortly, but I am joined by the Ned Monkey himself, the psychotic Simeon. Say hello, everybody, Monkey. Yes, can we get more funky than a space worm climbing up your trunky? What the hell am I talking about? Well, you're just going to have to stay tuned to the second segment of our show to find out. But you know what time it is, right, fans? It's talking terror time, baby. Your favorite spooky podcast for horror news and scary movie reviews. And for you listeners at home, thank you, Mama. Don't forget to spread the love of your favorite show by liking and subscribing to Talking Terror on both Facebook and Instagram, baby. Woo! We're in. <laughs> we are we are set so again sorry about that guys it's only a 10 minute delay we got plenty of time to talk about what we have to talk about but thank you so much to Monty Dean for calling in as host tonight and righting the wrongs of our technical difficulties yeah what on earth is the deal here uh, with the, the technological deal? difficulties I have no idea I don't it's weird uh, but you saved us. You got us in early enough so we could talk about what we have to talk about, uh, which, of course, later on in the show, we're going to be talking about your film pick of the week, The Passenger, from just this year. We will be. In June, directed by Raul Cerezo and Fernando Gonzalez Gomez. So talking about that later on, the ghoul is going to dip out whenever he comes on because he didn't watch it. So he didn't do his homework, guys. Dean, he has fun. Yeah. Make him stay after class. Way to be responsible, ghoul. <laughs> yeah, way to be fucking responsible. Um, and but since we're running a little bit late, I know the goal said he's going to join us, but I, you know, we'll have him kick in uh, when he comes on because I'm excited about this. I want to talk about the big fish in the sea, Halloween ends, and once he comes on, we'll include him in the conversation. Um, you know, I, I want to get all of our thoughts. But since you saved us tonight, Dean, I want to give you the first shot. Uh, what did you think about the movie? What are your final thoughts? And uh, do you plan on revisiting it at a certain point? We're jumping right in. All right. Uh, Fee first. One. What's that? Fee first. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, to answer the second question, yes, I certainly plan on revisiting it. In fact, I'm actually kind of, well, maybe not surprised, given my, my, watch, my viewing habits when it comes to anything. Uh, but I am surprised that I haven't revisited it already. Um, I had already planned on watching mm. it a second time uh, on the home front and have not had a chance to do so, um, but I certainly am going to. And as I said in our previous group chat, that 
my initial thoughts uh, walking out of the theater uh, upon my viewing uh, a couple of weeks ago was, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, my feelings are, are very mixed and uh, a little bit trending towards liking it. And uh, I'm curious to see what directions our conversation goes in. But it is my, as I did say, also, it is of my opinion that this film of, of this modern trilogy, uh, this film is going to be the one that is most debated, most talked about, uh, most dissected, and most reevaluated as time passes by. Mm-hmm. So good initial thoughts. You know, we're, we're going to dig into this a little bit, guys. So, yes, we were a little bit late, but at the same time, uh, as we talk about this, we're going to spoil a couple things. So if you haven't seen Halloween Ends yet, you might just want to skip ahead until we talk about the movie tonight or just, you know, bail out and wait until next week and see what we have to talk about. But yeah, and we're going to be getting into I want to jump in yeah. right there and say that truly, if you're listening to this show right now and you are a fan of horror movies and if you're listening to this show, you must be, how on earth, I don't want fucking earth, have you not seen it already? <laughs> so, <laughs> so true. That's so true. Like the movie that we've been waiting for, like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. Well, how have you not? The fucking one to talk Like, for about. real. So, yeah, but again. I don't have time yeah, to no, see I, shit, and I made it a point to get there. On, I know there was some special screenings on Thursday, but, like, I had my whole plan weeks in advance to get there on Friday. I found where it was playing, like, the, the, the soonest time after my workday ended uh, to get to and see uh, on a solo mission in the movie theater. So if you, are, if you call yourself a horror fan and uh, you don't have, like, true extenuating circumstances that hasn't allowed you to see it yet, uh, you need to check yourself, because this is a film that, uh, in the grand scope of the horror movie universe, you should have seen by now. Uh, I mean, come the end of this week, and he'll, come tomorrow, it will be in the theaters for two weeks. You have, you have, and it's been on Peacock. Peacock, you have, you have no excuses. None. And I, I fully agree with you. I, I love that, and thank you for that, because I, I completely agree. Uh, Monkey, uh, what were your thoughts when you saw Halloween Ends? I know you're not the, the biggest of the Halloween fans, but, you know, you saw it, you checked it out. What do you think? Dude, this movie was all over the place, man. It's like, uh, like again, I was kind of leaning towards liking it, but at the same time, I was really upset by how sloppy, sloppy the writing was when you look at parts one, part two, part three, and they keep claiming about they had long-term plans and whatnot. No, I call fucking bullshit, all right? Because if you had long-term plans, you would have been having characters established in part one, established in part two, and carry on over into part three. And no, each one was its own individual piece. seemed like it was written by itself with just a couple intertwining pieces here and there. It's like, ah, but did we get an end? Yeah, we got an end. You know, we actually got an end, the Halloween end. So, you know, at least we'll give them props there. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, they delivered an ending. You know, they, they stuck. I mean, I don't want to say they stuck the ending, you know, or the landing, rather. Uh, but they definitely gave you an ending to this trilogy where it's like, yeah, you know, we got there, we're here, and we're moving on. Like, that's it. This trilogy is over. If somebody else wants to make a Halloween movie, I'm sure at least, I mean, I don't know if you guys would agree with me, but I would say consecutively, maybe five years from now, we're going to see another Halloween movie. Oh, yeah, probably. That's when Rob Zombie's going to jump back in going, I'm still got it in me. <laughs> not, not necessarily as, as far as Rob Zombie, but look, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, this modern uh, trilogy 
uh, is over, uh, whether somebody builds something off of the mythology that was created here, how they do that given what happened at the end of Halloween Ends, I don't know. Uh, or they go in a different direction with the Michael Myers character. Uh, what I do believe is that unless someone is uh, starting over or, or doing something different, what we have said goodbye to, I, and, and I do believe this, uh, we have said goodbye to Jamie Lee Curtis playing Laurie Strode. Um, I think that door is shut. We're not going to be seeing that again. But just like, uh, you know, with, with Michael and Jason and Freddy and Leatherface and Pinhead being like the more modern eras, uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon, et cetera, et cetera, like this, this character isn't gone forever. Uh, like there's still money to be made and will return in, in, in some form. Uh, this trilogy is over uh Jamie Lee Curtis's involvement is over but I don't think that by any stretch of the imagination you're seeing the end of Halloween slash Michael Myers no no I, I don't think so and I know that's the right I think revert back to um Malik Akkad, uh either this year <clears throat> or next year so we're gonna have to see where that lies because I'm sure he's gonna have plans just like Mustafa his dad you know never wanted to have Michael Myers die so we might see something within the next few years um, because Jamie Lee Curtis, like you had said, Dean, she's done. You know, she said, this is it. You know, she signed a document saying that she's done playing Laurie Strode. So, you know, that, good. That, like, I hope that she should face it. Good. You know, I, I do want to say I did get a chance to see the, 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 the text of that document. And like, I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't take that as a legal binding contract by any stretch of the imagination. Um, <laughs> no. But, but well, for all you uh, given given all of the given no just the just the context of it but given 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 all of the press that she's done and all of the statements that she has made um, you know she she has she has said goodbye um, yeah so I wouldn't count yeah. on seeing her again uh, it's possible that the Laurie Strode character will 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 be out there again with another actress playing that role as has been done before um, but to think that. Uh, given the the we can sit here and debate the quality of these three films till the ends of the earth, but given the success of them and uh, how movie making has no shame in uh, remaking, rebooting, restarting, whatever terminology you would like to use, uh, to think that there's going to be no more Halloween on the big screen would be would be a silly thought to have. Oh, completely. Um, because it, it's such an easy concept. Um, and that's why, like I said, with the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot, you know, it, okay, they tried with Jackie Earl Haley, and it just it wasn't very good. But that's one of those things where Robert England is so attached to that character. Like, he made that character because he spoke, he had a lot of action. Whereas Michael Myers, it's a guy in a mask. You could definitely put the exactly. mask back on and have a new story. Like you had said, there could be a new Laurie they could go back and have that guy that played him in Halloween Ends be Dr. Loomis again, Tom Jones uh, Jr., and make a story out of that. I mean, there, there's plenty of angles you could do with Michael. You know, it's just that this uh, particular chapter is over. Um, and I want to kind of be white about it. I'm hoping that the ghoul can join us because I know he has a lot of thoughts too. But, um, yeah, I saw it on Thursday. So I went to a Thursday 520 showing. Um, I was excited about it. You know, the movie kicked in, and automatically you have the font from Halloween 3, the blue font. So I was like, okay, we're going into a different direction. Like, already I knew that they were trying to do something different. Like, you know, what, what they were going to do, charge. I didn't know. 
you know, but it was like an Easter egg. It's like, so if you know Halloween 3, <laughs> you know that Michael Myers isn't in that one. So, you know, are we being playful? Are, what are we doing here? Um, but overall, like, I, I like the kills. I thought they were fun. Um, I didn't mind some of the things that they did. I just, I'm not sure, being that it's a trilogy in the third film, introducing a completely new character who should have been in kills. They should have had Corey Cunningham show up at some point in kills and be like, oh, shit, what's exactly. going on? And then they're like, oh, shit, that's him from kills. Like, he's back. Like, we're going to continue that story. But instead, they completely introduce a new character. Um, you know, and I get why people are saying that the whole thing about Halloween 3. And it's like, well, Halloween 3, I mean, you, got, you have no Michael on that one. You know, but people seem to like it. Why don't people like Halloween Ends? Because you sold us a bad bill of goods. Because those trailers always showed the last moments of the movie, where it's that final battle between Michael and Laurie. And that's not what this movie is. So it's like they, they sold you on something that you thought you were going to see. You did. But it took a long time to get there. And at some points, it didn't even feel like a Halloween movie. Like, it felt like an 80s, you know, type of, of love story. But there's also this town that uh, a lot of just missed opportunities, like uh, the, the curse of Michael Myers, the people that are dying in town, you know, the couple that get shot. Uh, the woman that hung herself outside of her house, like they just kind of dropped the ball with that. They just, they said it happens and then they just kind of never bring it up. And I kind of wanted to explore that more uh, because it was like I was telling somebody on Facebook, you can have a movie and not have Michael Myers in it, but his spirit permeates that fucking town. Like this movie isn't a Michael Myers movie. It's a Haddonfield movie. And I don't know what you guys think about that, but that's kind of the way I thought about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought look, they were definitely uh, trying to go... Uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they were trying to go a definite Twin Peaks kind of vibe here of, you know, uh, m- misunderstood couple, you know, they're misfits and that kind of stuff and nobody gets them but the town and stuff like that. But again, like you said, everything should have been reeking of Michael Myers and we had a moment of it, you know, yeah. and that was it. You know, we had a couple, you know, we had a couple uh, moments here, you know, poking and prodding Laurie but nothing about the town itself actually being scarred from these events. Mm-hmm. And, and they certainly, I think they tried in a lot of ways to kind of show you the trauma that Michael left behind um, and how this town is still reeling from it um, just four years later. Um, you know, and Lori was weird in this movie. I mean, maybe it's just my opinion, but okay. So she spent 40 years basically saying Michael is coming back and I have to prepare and I have to get my compound with traps and guns and he's coming back. But Michael was locked up the entire time. So he decides to break out in 2018 with the the help of Dr. Sartain. But then in Halloween ends, we're four years removed and Michael is still missing. He's out there. So he could still come back. But yet Lori has adopted this fuck it I love Halloween. I'm going to fist the fuck out of a pumpkin and put up decorations and show my tits to the world, right? It's like, I, don't, I just, I don't know. I was kind of baffled by it. Like, I would still think that she would still be kind of like, okay, he's officially out there. Like, they never found his body. They never found him. Like, he could come back at any time. Well, that's true, but I think, I think Dean had some thoughts about the town as well. That... <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, Dean. Please, 
Please continue, Dean. Uh, that, that to me is a, is a piece of the puzzle uh, that didn't make much sense because, yes, we are in a timeline where four years have passed since the events of Halloween Kills, and mm-hmm. uh, they, they do gloss over how, yes, the town has moved on, but, you know, not for everybody. Obviously, uh, you know, a lot of residents of the town were killed and severely injured uh, during the events of Halloween Kills. I mean, an entire fire squadron, uh, some random citizens, a whole bunch of vigilante crew, including yeah. uh, survivors, including survivors from 1978, uh, including, uh, you know, Sheriff Brackett, who obviously is just a hospital security guard, uh, Tommy Doyle, uh, Lori Strode's daughter, uh Still, also with the with the with the loss of uh, you know her daughter's husband in in Halloween 2018. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, like, we're talking about a mass volume of death. So uh, that holdover and those that that trauma and those bad vibes and feelings that they kind of show by showing the people that have committed suicide and whatnot at the beginning of Halloween ends to just have Jamie Lee Curtis like as Betty Homemaker baking pies, uh, you know, trying to get into the spirit of the season, given what we learned about what her previous 40 years were in 2018, to think that such a switch in her would have happened in just a couple of years, given the events of 2018 and Halloween Kills, didn't make much much sense to me. Uh, that she'd be able to pull it back together so quickly, especially knowing Michael Myers murdered her daughter and then vanished into the winds uh, for four years. That that she is not that she's no longer uh, you know oh he's still out there and he's going to come back and you know it just that part of it um, you, did not make uh, a whole lot of sense to me as far as the the story is concerned and that the the arc of that particular character. It was definitely a strange choice, um, you know, to, to have her, like, like you had said, uh, the, her fucking daughter was slaughtered by Michael Myers four years prior. And then she just kind of drifts off and she's okay with it now. And she's now writing a book about her ordeals and dealing with Michael and how his evil permeates through the town, you know. And, and you know, Allison has a weird way of kind of coping with it, too, which is, which is uh, strange. Um, but we're going to get into more of that because the – Ghoul is with us, so let's break it in with the ghoul. There he is, ghoul. Oh, the ghoul is here. What is All up, right, buddy. We've been, talking, we've been talking a little lately about Halloween ends because I was trying to get you in. I was like, oh, okay, we've got to get him fucking in because I want to hear his okay. thoughts. So, okay. ghoul, uh, kick it in. What did you think about Halloween ends and that infamous phone call that we had? <laughs> well, I mean, again, man, it's uh... – yeah, I mean, look, yeah, they made choices. You know, that, that's what they did with this movie. They made choices. Now, did all of those choices work? No. Uh, if, if you were to ask me, <laughs> most of them, most of them did not work. Uh, I think, you know, for me personally, it was a very unsatisfying ending. 
to uh, mm-hmm. to to not just the Halloween franchise because you know as far as like the Michael Myers thing goes, but but realistically speaking, because I still only look at the original 1978 movie as its own standalone film with a definitive yeah. beginning, definitive end. You know, this was a disappointing ending to what the trilogy was of the 2018 movie. You know, I I, I, I we've spoken about Halloween Kills. And, you know, I even like this past weekend, I rewatched both kills and ends. And, you know, mm-hmm. I still have plenty of gripes with kills. Um, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. it was a little bit more fun to watch knowing that I was going to get some extra gore and whatnot. But the story beats are where that movie is really weak. And there's just so, so many things going on throughout the film that just end up like leading to nothing and being so pointless that it just, uh, it just falls flat. And I feel like you got the exact same thing again with Halloween ends where they want to introduce these concepts, but never go full on into them because no matter what, they want to make sure that they're going to have, you know, Michael be that specter that's going to be there. And I, Honestly, I think, you know, having the, the Michael versus Laurie, like, framework was what hurts some of the ideas that they have going here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, and, and you know, we, we did have a phone call after. Uh, it was, like, you know, really late, and I was just like, what the fuck did we just watch? What did we <laughs> just watch? Yeah, I mean, the, the laughter, the laughter. Okay, <laughs> when you answered that phone, and there was just the king laughing and just like wheezing it out as he was trying to like say it was like what the fuck did we just watch and yeah i mean i i I definitely felt that vibe completely um but what we were just talking about and i want to bring you in the school and then we're going to move on with fucking Corey because we had a lot to say about Corey and everything else (laughs) (laughs) lori and i brought up the fact that lori for 40 years had protected herself against Michael Myers, thinking he's going to escape one day. He's going to come for me. He's going to find me. I need to be prepared. So we have that in 2018. We have that battle. We have him being locked in the basement. But with Halloween ends, after he fucking kills pretty much almost the entire town and also her fucking daughter, we cut to four years later, and she's like, fucking Halloween is awesome, bro. Like, dude, I want to fucking make pies. I want to carve pumpkins. I want to decorate, show my tits to the fucking sky. And it was such a baffling choice for this character. Like, Michael is out there. Like, he's not locked up again. It's not like he's back in Spitzgirls. No, he's on the loose. They never found him. So it's just kind of a baffling choice to have her be like, well, fuck it. I'm over it. Trauma over. I'm ready to celebrate Halloween again. Well. Uh, it has changed her her feelings completely, you know, it's, uh, I, I mean, let's look at things like Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know, where we're being <laughs> naughty, you know, can drive, can drive a Party. man wild, but, you know, eventually <laughs> yeah. he'll, he'll find the true love of Christmas and, and, and yeah, be shot to death um, in a fantasy suit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, it's a questionable choice, you know, like, and, and I, maybe if they had, like, the, here, here's part of the problem, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is old and the movie's taking place, you know, so many years after the original that 
you know, maybe if they did give us more years in between, maybe if this was like a, a 10 years later type of deal, maybe then I would have found it a little bit more plausible. But, but the fact that, like, she not only wants to turn her life around and be happy, scrappy about fucking Halloween, she continues to reside in this town. You know, this town that has absolutely, like, just torn away her sanity. It has ripped away her daughter. It has murdered her fucking family. It has destroyed the entirety of her life. It has framed everything about this woman. And yet, yeah, she's just going to just hang around and look, yep, nope, make pies. Well, burn them anyway. She's been really successful. Stay in Haddonfield, because that's a wise choice. Um, But in this movie, we have uh, Corey Cunningham. Uh, who's, uh, you know, in his, this is 2019 where we kick off, you know, or so he's in his late teens. Um, he accidentally kills the kid that he's babysitting for because this little fucking cocksucker locks him into an attic. He can't get out. He ends up kicking the door <laughs> open, knocking the kid off a fucking 50-foot fucking balcony. Like, the fucking stairs were endless. And I was like, does it end anywhere? No, I just, I, I just love that the kid got, like, hit by a door and got knocked up high enough into the air to fall over the railing. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was amazing. But we have Corey being acquitted of the charges because it was an accident. He's going around town, and the town isn't exactly kind of going after him, going, you fucking kid killer. You know, fuck you. Like, they don't really do that. What we get introduced to is a fucking group of band kids from the high school. They're teenagers in 2022, four years later. They're trying to get him to buy beer, and he's like, yeah, I don't think so. And they're like, oh, this fucking guy, Terry, the leader of the band kids. He's like, hey, yo, what's trying to be friends here? What's going on? Well, you don't want to be friends? I'm like, why is he so fucking Italian? Like, he so, makes yeah, well, look mean, fucking normal. From migration, you know, it, it happens. But, uh, <laughs> you know, just, just, just to interject real quick. Like, so, so one thing I did, enjoy, I did like the cold opening. I thought the yeah, old opening yeah. was an, an interesting choice. It was it was cringeworthy, you know. It was definitely yeah. the the moment of the film that kind of like made me just jerk just a little bit, like oh, because of the, the the way the kid hits the ground and the way his head pops up. And remember, we saw when we saw this, we saw this on IMAX, so it was gigantic. Um, so it was definitely <laughs> like something to to see. Uh, but yeah, yeah, everything, everything that kind of kind of flows after. Yeah, I mean, again, this this town obviously in Haddonfield has uh, has toxic jock esque marching band kids. You know, hey, like oh, he could have kicked their ass. Like, he could have just beat the fuck at all. They're fucking band kids. They're not jocks. But instead, he breaks a glass bottle on his hand, which. Lori Strode comes up on the scene. She's like, oh, you need to get help. I'm going to bring you my daughter. Hey, hubba hubba, am I right, Allison? And she's like, oh, fuck. I'm getting wet just looking at him. Like, what? <laughs> like, why is it so fast? Why is it so fast? Like, that she's like, oh, I want to just fucking make out with you right now. And he's like, I don't know. This fucking, you know, this Corey Cunningham, the combination of Patrick Dempsey from the 80s and Keith Price and, and all these characters from the 80s wrapped up in the one. And all of a sudden, they're just kind of in love. Just hanging pleasure. out. <laughs> yeah, I would say that too. Um, yeah, uh, Skippy, <clears throat> Skippy from Family Ties would be another one. Just that kind of character. Um, <laughs> but you have Lori introduce them to, and they they hit it off really well, and they start you know going out and they start dating and stuff like that. Uh, and then forty fucking minutes into the movie, Michael Myers shows up and kind of half strangles Corey in this fucking culvert, 
after he gets knocked over the bridge by the fucking band kids again. Okay, so they've been telling us the entire time that Michael is not supernatural. He well, is a mortal fucking whole, being. That whole thing had to do with the... Uh, that all comes after the very, very strange and slightly uncomfortable dance sequence that they decided to interject <laughs> during the party, you know, which felt no. very much in, yes. in line with Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of beats in this film in particular yep. made me feel like, I would, like, like this could be taking place in the Rob Zombie universe. Oh, completely. The fucking Dead Kennedy song Halloween playing in the fucking club. I'm like, no way. No way. In 2022, is this bar playing Dead Kennedys at all? But yet they're fucking dancing around, getting really into it. Well, you know, and then Corey, of course, I, you know, just has to go. Good. Yeah, well, I do think they're like, I feel like the, the kind of frantic energy in which that sequence was presented, one of the things I had thought about that was mm. you're – you're given you're given Allison who um is coming from hanging mm-hmm. with mom and Lindsay Wallace and talking about needing to to cut loose and grandma. go crazy and grandma and Lindsay get Wallace. Back. Mom mom's sorry, mom's grandma, exo, grandma. Mother. I apologize. Grandma, yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Uh how she needs to get out there and, and go crazy and let it out and take on the world and on, on the same so side of things, we know we know that uh, you know Corey uh, has been for the most part hiding uh, and living as a as a hermit, uh, you know, with his junkyard job, uh, hiding from the world. I feel like the franticness is just that kind of each of them kind of coming out of their 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 virtual slumber. Uh, in, in different ways and maybe not even having the tools or abilities to kind of manage what that feels like to let go, given what each of them has been through. So I did take that from that kind of frantic sequence, uh, even though it was. Yeah, quite I mean, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, go ahead, Monkey. On, 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 on top of that, I just want to say, you know, not the score, but, you know, the, the actual soundtrack, I was really, really impressed. With the songs yep. that they chose for this movie, not not just Ed Kennedy's, but uh, you know all the other songs, you know the cramps, cramps yeah. and shit like that. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, wow, this, this is some really good shit. <laughs> this is a really the good album. Was good, but like I said, what the the point I was trying to make was that they they have established that Michael Myers in the first one is going to be mortal. He could be killed. He could be shot, and then they dropped it in Halloween Kills, and he kills the fire department, and then he kills all these people, and then in the third one. When 40 minutes well, in, wait, you see Michael King, for the first time. Stop, yeah. stop there, because at, they built that in 2018. But then if you remember, yeah. if you think back to the final minutes of Halloween Kills, uh, you know, when yeah. all of the carnage is going on, we have Lori on a, on a monologue yeah. explaining to yeah. us why, why he is becoming supernatural. Which I hated. I hated that. I hated the whole monologue. Like, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't say... Michael Myers is a mortal fucking guy who could be shot and killed and ended. And then all of a sudden, at end of kills, it's like, oh, no, no, he kills. And when he kills, he gets stronger. With every person he kills, he gets stronger. It's, okay, so now you're fucking saying he's supernatural, which is the whole thing that John Carpenter wanted to have. Um, it's just, I, it didn't work. It just, I kind of felt like, okay, so now you're just backtracking. So now you're just saying that he's supernatural and he could just appear anywhere. Like when he killed Karen at the end of Halloween Kills. He just appeared out of nowhere 
and stabbed her to death. Like he didn't, you know, there was police and EMTs and everybody's outside. How did they get in the house? I know he like, never explained it. <laughs> so, but in this one, he transfers like his evil into Corey, you know, where he grabs him and tries to strangle him. And then all of a sudden they make eye contact and they're about to kiss, but they don't. Instead, like they just transfer power. And all of a sudden Corey's like, oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Like I got it. And you know, fucking Michael Myers, I'm going to be his fucking pal. Like, we're going to go and fucking well, kill people. Well, I mean, That's you're, you're obviously fast-tracking a little bit. I mean, really, really, he gets scared, comes stumbling out, and then you have that really interesting interaction that he has with the old bum, where the old bum is telling <laughs> yeah. him to go back inside, go get me that mask, you know, and then, but like, the, <laughs> yeah. the thing that really got me is the old man's like, I'm Michael Myers! I'm Michael Myers! <laughs> and you know, for like yeah. a hot minute, a hot minute, I was wondering to myself, is Corey hallucinating the Michael Myers inside the sewer? And is mm-hmm. this old man actually Michael Myers? And is this how he's been hiding all of this time? But then Corey probably yeah, stabs the guy too. a couple of times and he's dead. And I'm like, okay, well, well, that, that ended that. Because I thought that would be interesting. Because when you first saw the old man with, the, with, with his cart and stuff, like the first thought that came to my head is, Oh no shit! Watch, watch this whole time. Like Michael, you know, in a, in a weird sort of like retirement, you know, because the, the guy really didn't want to, didn't really want to kill anybody anymore. You know, he just he wanted to go home. That's <laughs> yep. so all this guy wants to do. Yep. The fucking doctor, the doctor did this. He tried to put him and Laurie together. Um, yeah, Sartain. You know, so, that. yeah. Right. So you know, yeah. they, maybe no, all he wants to do is live his best life under the fucking overpass now. <laughs> you know, and that's all he wants to do. And again. You know, the old man who, if you read the novelization, which I did, uh, that guy's name is Nelson Christopher, and he is a, a former mental patient. Um, but did. the whole thing is that he says Michael brings people into the fucking sewers and they don't come out. Why are you so special? Why did you come out? Okay, so Michael's a cannibal now. Like, why don't you go with that angle? Like, Michael is eating he- fucking people. There should be bodies everywhere in that fucking culvert. There should be bones. There should be people laying in. But no, they, they don't. He just kind of shows up, and he's there. It's kind of like the, uh, the ghoul that's living his best retirement life, you know, in this culvert. Um, and then Corey eventually, you know, starts to feel the evil. And that's what kind of made me laugh. When he's outside Lori's house and kind of just standing there watching, all of a sudden she's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Michael got to him. God damn it. Michael got to him. I'm like, what? All right. <laughs> like, you were pushing your daughter to date this guy. Then you see him standing at your house, and like, oh, he's fucking ultimate evil. <laughs> All of a sudden, I was like, she becomes a woman for a second. You know, just, oh, my God, you know, you can't see my daughter anymore, you motherfucker. Like, okay, that was fast. Because just a day ago, you were saying, fucker, fucker, man, fucker for me. <laughs> you know? I'll hold your legs open. It was a bizarre choice. Because the whole thing is that I said originally is that it didn't really feel like a Halloween movie all of a sudden. You know, with Allison and Corey getting together, it just kind of felt like an 80s movie. You know, where all of a sudden I'm like, oh, shit, that's right. We're in a Halloween movie. Because it took everything to get to October 31st. Like, we're in the third final act, and all of a sudden it's like October 31st. I was like, holy shit, really? (laughs) We've been sitting here for like an hour. And all of a sudden it's Halloween. Okay. All right. Cool. Let's do it. Let's get Corey to get his mom to kiss him on the mouth. I hope you find love. Ah, Favorite line of the movie, man. Favorite line of the movie. (laughs) Because it really just, it just so came out of left field. You know, like like this <laughs> this Bobby Bacchieri looking guy. You know, all he needs yeah. is his little fucking train hat and his trains, and to get shot yeah. up in a fucking you know in a store somewhere, 
for you to feel bad about it. But no, nah, this poor guy, you know, he's sitting there living with, with this woman. And, I mean, obviously, Corey, you know, even though they don't bother telling you straight out, you, you, you understand that Corey is not his. Um, yeah, that's a step know, And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just uh, an interesting little thing, you know. Uh, I, I hope you find love right after your mom, like, mouth-kissed you, you know. That's, uh, and then she hits him. Uh, like, God damn it. Why, why the fuck? What is the family? You know, whatever, I'm going out. <laughs> you know. She and then, you know, he goes time, to... You know? But Don't I love that he goes to Al- <laughs> Allison apparently has daddy issues because she has the fucking oldest boyfriend in the world, ex-boyfriend, I should say. When he shows up and he's like, hey, I think you should give me another chance. Like, what are you, 50? Like, you look like fucking yeah, that was weird. the original Halloween movie. <laughs> I don't want to date you anymore. Like, I'm over you. Now, yeah, assuming uh, given four years yeah, after the event yeah, of, of Halloween... 2018, we have to assume that Allison is around 22, but even still, like, that dude seems way <laughs> out of her dating dating age range. And look, maybe given all had, had happened to her, maybe getting with an older figure who was a police officer was, like, some kind of safety net for her uh, emotionally, but still, that, that, that seemed bizarre. Like, that, that for, for certain. When she got, when he got, when she got pulled over and he approached the car and had this, like, kind of weird, creepy flirtation happening it was like dude you're like her fucking like dad like what this is strange yeah it was so out of place when he first woke up i thought it was frank at first and i was like holy (laughs) shit he's trying to hit a lorianne out at the same time this is fucking weird as shit he just doesn't know any better because he's drunk but nope that was her (laughs) ex-boyfriend yeah because i thought it was going to be like uh uh, you know somebody that uh, karen had dated at some point you know, before she got together with her husband, you know, but no, no, it's, it's, it's a former love interest, you know, that, that shows yeah, up. Mean, and, like, and Exactly. Like yeah. maybe like, Hey, you know, like this is a guy that was close with them, similar to mm-hmm. like Lonnie, you know what I mean? And it's like, all right, you know, I'm going to kind of look out for Allison, you know, because I know the tragedy that she's gone through. So yeah, no, during that whole pullover sequence. And yeah, when he starts like dropping like the flirt stuff, it was like, Alright, it's kinda of weird. <laughs> and then the whole thing about how Corey, you know, lures him into the culvert so that, you know, he can get Michael to kinda of join in on the fun and kill him. The whole thing is that John, the ex boyfriend, the fifty year old, he like boots Michael right in the chest and Michael falls down like a piece of paper. <laughs> He's just like, Oh, so weak. Uh why did you bring him down here? He's like, Pick up the fucking knife and like, okay. And then he has to hold him down while Michael stabs him, and then all of a sudden has a fucking seizure because, like, oh, the evil's back. Like, did you guys notice that? Like, he had, like, a weird seizure mm-hmm. after he stabbed him, and all of a sudden he starts shaking, and I'm like, okay, so that means the evil's back? Like, he's strong? Like, he powered up? <laughs> so now he's ready to, to kill more people? Like, it was, it was bizarre. Because then he goes over to Allison's, and he's like, oh, uh, I just killed someone. And she's like, do you want to fuck? And he's like, I kind of do. And then they just go upstairs while Lori watches him walk upstairs to go bang. <laughs> like, like, you killed someone. Who did you kill? Never mind. I'm horny. So here's something I thought about when I watched this the second time, right? Because I thought the same thing the first mm-hmm. time around. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. I think she took it as him simply accepting the fact that he killed the little kid. You know, I killed oh, someone. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, and I can see that. Allison, yeah. you know, as well has, you know, the guilt of feeling like, you know, like her friends died because of her. Her dad died because of, of the family situation. You know, her mom is dead because of everything. So I think that is something that they were trying. Like, that's the shared pain these two characters are going through. Um but again, writing and, and how they're showing some of these things are just, it's so weak that it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just a drag, you know, it, it really is. Because that was the whole thing about how uh, when Corey and Michael go to Dr. Mathis's house to kill him and the nurse, like I, you know, I thought that Corey could just do it by himself. Like, why do you need Michael to do this? Obviously you've got the power of Michael, you could do it. Like, I just, I don't see Michael tag teaming with anybody. Like, you want to tag up and kill these people? Like, like, it was kind of cool to see, it was kind of cool to see him in that scarecrow mask, you know, putting the bag over Dr. Mathis' head and stabbing him. And he's just kind of sitting there on the ground. Like, it was great. But then Michael is just like, oh, yeah, I'm here too. Well, what's, what's fun with that too is if you watch when she first walks out and it's dark behind her, you can see them struggling back there. Like you can, I, I didn't notice this even in the theater. It wasn't until I was rewatching it with with, uh, with Zach here, and he's like, he goes, "Bitch, your boyfriend's getting killed behind you right now." <laughs> yep. You know, and, and then all of a sudden, Michael pushes the door open, and then he kills her Bob style from Halloween '78. You know, pinning her against the door and then just kind of staring at her. Um, you know, well, I liked it, but like I said, at the same time, like I didn't need Michael to tag team. This is something that I had been thinking about in regards to this sequence. Um, we we know that this is like we know the gripes that Allison has. And mm-hmm. and unless I and and maybe I'm misremembering, but there is never a time that I think Allison expresses to Corey the struggles that she has with her boss and coworker and getting the promotion yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Like we can assume that she told him, but I don't recall a time when that where it would have had been in Corey's mind that those people were targets uh, well, to, no, to seek out. He, no, he knew from the doctor, from the way the doctor treated her in the office, though, remember? He said yeah, you shouldn't that's right. let him treat yeah. you like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, okay. That's, that, that's what I'm just saying. Um, that, that, that's, just some, that's a little detail there that I, just, that I just misremembered or don't remember. That's why I prefaced it that way before I shared that point. So, so that makes more when sense the, to me now. When the tray spills over, the doctor's like, oh, what the fuck, this and that. Like, he was kind of, he was giving her some shit about it. He was. So, yeah, she was all right. She was all like, fucking bricked up to, uh, to, to hook up with Corey um, at that moment. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. I never thought that Michael would want to tag team with anybody to kill people, but apparently he is, like, you know, it's just there's no real explanation. There's no real kind of idea behind well, why Michael wants his to years. tag with Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Michael, you know, killed an entire firefighter team and also had the town. Like, he doesn't need Corey to help, you know, because once he kills yeah, but people, he, was, he gains power. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but he was living off of prison food then. Now he's living off of hobos and bubs and he drags into the sewers, you know. So no his power. diet plan isn't probably the best. <laughs> No, probably not. You know, and of course, uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, Corey um, just becoming more and more of a killer after that. 
you know, sleeping in the house where he killed, you know, the little kid accidentally, sleeping on the fucking bloodstains. And then we have Lori showing up to tell him, like, you know what, you know, evil is evil, and I don't want you to see my daughter, uh, granddaughter anymore. And then she fucking disappears. And I was like, there was no explanation. I was like, was she there, or did he imagine that? Because they don't really go into it. So I was like, that might be a hallucination. Like, he had to have hallucinated Lori sitting in that chair because she just fucking bounces. I mean, only great there was a shot of her running down the street going, ah, fuck you, Corey. But no, we don't get that. <laughs> but, but at the same time, this shows how weird Haddonfield is because they're willing to, somebody is willing to move into the Myers house, but no one's willing to move into this house after four years. Yeah, and that's a fucking beautiful house. I mean, they bulldozed the Myers house, which was like, fucking finally. They well, just got you, rid of you that do have house. to remember, all right, you do have to remember that uh, the, the Myers house, we're talking about things going back to 2018 that had happened 40 years prior. And, you know, we have to take out of the equation that house sitting in disrepair in Halloween 4 and Halloween 5 because none of that exists. Now, in Halloween, yeah. in, in Halloween Kills, uh, you know, the Myers home is owned by, uh, uh, what are their names? Um, Big John Big John, Big John, and Little John, <laughs> and uh, if you, it, it's 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 those being two, uh, you know, two characters in a in a in a homosexual relationship, uh, and I don't mean to say this as a stereotype, but it is quite often, uh, you know, in neighborhood. And granted, this is Haddon Hill is, is not a like an inner city neighborhood that is going through gentrification, but it is often the case uh, where the the gay community comes in and revitalizes. Um, I mean, that's what happened, like, Asbury Park is pumping right now, and a huge part of that mm. was the gay population moving in and starting to renovate all the ramshackle rundown houses. So I don't think it's out of the question that a, a house that had a tragedy take place, or the house that had a tragedy that take place in it more than 40 years ago, we're talking 55 years, because that happened 15 years before the events of 1978, it's not po- out of the realm of possibility that a house... 55 years ago that had a tragedy was completely renovated and now people live in it again. Uh, some horrible situation, uh, you know, four years, um, you know, it's possible that maybe people did not want to move into that house and, you know, maybe the family still even owns it, but just doesn't live there anymore. Like we, th- those are things yeah, that, well, we, that we just, that we can't, well, we that know we can't of ah. they're split up because remember she was yeah. still sitting in, the, she was at the bar during the party scene. Mm-hmm. And then we later see, you know, the, uh, the husband, when he goes to to talk about you know seeing Corey on the side of the road, and he had the, I uh, love the it. evil eyes. So funny, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was so funny. He was like, "Yeah, I was gonna tell Corey, like you know what, it's okay, like it was an accident, like we're cool, right?" And then Corey just leans into the window and he's like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> he fucking speeds away. No, that's I, that guy wasn't there anymore. And you know, to but, question to question whether or not Laurie Strode was a, a hallucination of Corey uh, when Corey was. was in the yeah. house. No, I don't, I don't think so either. Um, but it's interesting because uh, thinking that when Corey first encounters, uh, you know, one of the things that I had thought, you know, when Corey first encounters Michael Myers for the first time in, in, the, in the subway and they have that long, prolonged, like, eye contact, and I think we have Michael, like, recognizing sure? the darkness. <laughs> in the culvert. Yeah, the, the, um, in the culvert, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, subway. You know, you have Michael and Corey kind of He's recognizing the, the the darkness in each other. You know, then maybe yeah. you have Corey out there with this kind of 
this this mindset of Laurie Strode passed into his head, and if he's in that house, and then Laurie Strode is a hallucination. But no, I don't think that it actually was a hallucination. But it's interesting, certainly an interesting theory, given what has happened uh, previously with Corey and Michael and, and Laurie Strode. Well, it, it, you know, it kind of makes yeah. me feel like at some point or another, these might have been ideas that were getting like churned around as far as like maybe making these characters not necessarily real. And like, this is just an after effect of, you know, everything that occurred with Michael and with Lori and how like we saw in, you know, Halloween kills, how it affects the town and how it enraged all these people, you know, and like, are the people themselves evil because they allowed themselves to become evil? You know, whereas in this one, it's like, well, this guy is accidentally you know, killing somebody, he's not necessarily evil, but yet evil is still able to taint him, and it, and it just continues to, to go on and go on. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, again, I think, uh, like I said, I think there were ideas that, that might have been promising at one point or another, but I just feel like this, this film ends up, like, kind of, like, it just, it doesn't know, where, uh, ultimately, it just doesn't make a fucking choice as far as, like, how far along it wants to take any of these things. Yeah, because I didn't even mind it when Corey gets to the point in the third act where, like, he's completely taken over by the evil. You know, he had promised Allison, like, meet me at the restaurant. We're going to get out of this fucking town. You know, we're just going to leave. But he has ulterior plans, and he goes into the culvert and then just beats the fuck out of Michael. And he's like, you're just a fucking guy in a Halloween mask. Like, I didn't mind him taking over as Michael. Like, Corey is a new Michael. I didn't mind it. Like, when he goes on his killing spree, it's fun. Like, I actually had a good time watching him take care of the entire fucking marching band. You know, Terry accidentally shooting his dad and killing him. He goes and kills his mom. Um, <laughs> I love it when he goes to the fucking DJ, and the DJ's like, all right, you know, we'll talk about Haddonfield. You know, put on the cramps. And then Michael just fucking comes in and then kills him and then cuts his tongue off so it's laying on the record. As it's still playing the cramps, like that was fun. And like, yeah, the moment that thing fun. flips, when that thing flips on that record, man, I was howling. That whole scene, I was howling. I mean, between you know Diana Prince in a blink and you miss it cameo, like in the background, <laughs> yep. you know, getting yeah. strangled, and then and then yeah, just him bashing the guy's face up against the thing, and it was like, oh, all right, they're just cause this one wasn't necessarily as as gory, bloody, it seemed, as the no. as Halloween Kills was. Um, but, you know, he bashes it up against the thing, and then he pulled it back, and the guy's jaw is just, like, <laughs> missing and distended, and the tongue is like... <laughs> like that. So, like, for him to then, like, just take it and snip it, and there it is on the... Like, yeah, we were dying, just hysterically laughing. <laughs> but then, you know, Great. Lori has that argument with Allison. Um, and she leaves to go to the restaurant to meet with Corey, but then Lori calls in a suicide call. And she's like, there's going to be a suicide at this address. You need to come here. And then she hangs up, and then, of course, she grabs the gun, you know, and I'm like, she's not doing that. <laughs> she's not going out like that. So you hear the gunshot, and then the splatter, and she killed, you know, a jack-o'-lantern. And that's when Michael shows up. At, you know, Corey shows up. I shouldn't say Michael because he didn't show up yet. But she's like, hey, you know, you miss me, like <laughs> that type of fucking thing, where she has the gun pointed at him, and then she shoots him, he falls to the ground, a couple gunshots, he's still okay. <laughs> the evil protects you. It's like a fucking bulletproof vest. Well, you can get shot a whole bunch of times. It's not going to matter because you're evil now. And he, Corey has this line when she pulls the mask off, if I can't have her, nobody can. 
And then he stabs himself in the fucking neck. And I'm like, well, no, nobody can have you then. <laughs> Not Corey. Because he fucking just put a fucking knife into his neck. But it was all a trap. Because Allison shows up and she's like, what the fuck? And she's like, oh, no, no, no. No, this is what it looks like. Whoops. Let's take it back. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just love the fact that, like, and again, I know Corey was at some point on the phone with her, whether it was a voice message or just talking to her, telling yeah. him, like, yo, yeah. your grandmother wants to kill me, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah, I know Corey kind of is not the most stable of people, but, I mean, really, kid? Like, your automatic go-to is going to be like, oh, <laughs> Grandma, you killed my fucking boyfriend? Um, but I, and I know Lori was kind of showing like shaky shit saying like, you know, she, he reminded yeah. her of Michael that everything she sees mm-hmm. is Michael. But I also love the fact that, you know, as soon as he stabs himself in the neck, what does Lori do? She grabs the knife and pulls it out, you know? So, so that, that made <laughs> yeah. a lot of sense. So we'll leave it out or I put it in. So she runs out of the house. And of course, Corey, who is not dead, surprisingly, after stabbing himself in the jugular and getting shot, you know, he's still kind of alive because Michael's like, Hey, you got my mask, bitch. And he's like, oh, shit, my daddy's come home. <laughs> he, takes the, you know, he takes the mask, you know, breaks Corey's neck, and then we have the real fight between Lori and Michael, where Michael's like, okay, let's fucking do this. And then she just beats the fuck out of Michael. <laughs> he throws her around a couple times, and, man, she is just walloping on this old man. <laughs> he can't even catch his breath. He's like, wait a second, give me a fucking second to get up. <laughs> nope, she's fucking on him. You know, he tries to put her hand in the, the, the garbage disposal, doesn't work. And then she finally gets the upper hand, drops a fridge on his leg and balls, and she's like, that's it, we're done. And then just starts stabbing him <laughs> to the fucking table in the kitchen. Like, I was like, dude, Michael, I feel so bad. <laughs> like, I know you're evil, but, man, you just got your ass kicked by a grandmother. Like, you just killed an entire <laughs> firefighter team. killed, <laughs> And now you're getting walloped by, you know, this old woman. And then, of course, you know, when Michael gets the upper hand, he gets his hand sliced open like Jason in part four. He still manages to put his hand around her throat, and she's like, fucking do it. Like, well, then do it. <laughs> Break her fucking neck. You know, you're going to bleed out. You're going to kill her. But, no, Allison runs in. She's like, fuck your arm, bitch. And she breaks his fucking arm. And she's like, I'm not going to let him kill you, grandmother. <laughs> and then <laughs> we just get this bizarre moment where Lori just goes up with a knife, and she's like, you're never going to breathe again. And cuts his throat open, cuts his wrists, pulls off the fucking mask. So you see this gnarly fucking Michael Myers with his weird fucking pubic hair, facial hair on his fucking face. And just, oh, it's looking kind of gross. And, and that's it. It's like, okay, well, the movie's over. You know, they killed. They, they want, no, no. Because nope. we have to have a fucking procession now where they strap him to the roof of a fucking car. And then out of fucking nowhere, the sheriff shows up and he's like, hey, remember me from the other two movies? I'm here. What's going on, guys? Oh, did you kill Michael? Nice. <laughs> like, it's just, out of nowhere, this guy shows up, and he's like, you know, when somebody talks about justice, and he's like, not tonight. And then they all just kind of have a parade downtown to the junkyard. How we do it tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's how we do it tonight. And they do. And in that sequence, you see uh, some imagery of some of the other characters uh, from 2018 and, and, and from Halloween yeah, Kills. Yeah. As they as they mm-hmm. make this procession, shows which, you know, um, I feel like you know this is the uh, we've seen uh, we've seen uh, final girls and uh, you know angry people and mobs try to dispatch of our horror icons in 
uh, in mm-hmm. numerous different ways. And, uh, you know, this is the first time we've, we've seen it take place uh, in, in this method. Um, you know, so uh, when we were talking, and we'll talk about what happened in just a moment, King, when, I, when, you, when you continue, but uh, yeah. when we talked earlier in, in, in this portion of our show about, you know, what the future holds for Halloween, like, like I had said, it's like this was like a resolution of this trilogy uh, because in this universe, unless there's like a, unless there's like a, like a surrogate, like another Corey somehow, um, like Laurie Strode's storyline is over. Like Michael Myers obviously in, has been destroyed. Um, so yeah. there has to be like another, another way for this to, to carry on in a, in a different timeline of some kind. There, there could have been, you know, because they get to the junkyard and they have the, the big crusher. Uh, that they're going to put Michael's body into to, to end the ultimately where he could never come back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, so they, they load him up into the thresher and you see him going down and starting to get chopped up. I'm like, you know what? My ending would have been him grabbing on the lorry and then sucking them both down. Yes! So they're yeah, both stuck in the fucking long. thing. I would yep, have taken it. I would have taken it, let it go, and like do it with a loud musical sting, a la like Friday yeah. the 13th, man. Let him pull her in and give us a freeze frame just as she's on yeah. her way down. And you know what? We would know that Michael was done, Lori was done. Cut to the Halloween music. But no, instead we're going to cut to Don't Fear the Reaper. Happy, happy. Oh, you know, my you God. Get a happy ending. I just, Pussy song. That song is so fucking song. overrated. It's, <laughs> it's so that one, but yeah, but wh- yeah, that Sorry. one. I I want to say because I had such a strong reaction, uh, and I'm sure many people did. That stung, and it, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what song it was, but that stung for me so much in that moment because with all the talk about you know this being the end and. You know, Jamie, like I said before, Jamie Lee Curtis doing all of the press to say goodbye and, you know, to to express the gratitude of what Halloween has meant for her career and blah, 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 that it was just so jarring that we end with a, like I said, it didn't matter to me what song it was, that we end with a, a classic rock song and not the iconic mm-hmm. so- soundtrack or the different variations of the iconic soundtrack that is so tied to this series in every possible capacity. We end with Don't Fear the Reaper by the Blue Oyster Cult. Like, it was so jarring that, like, like I truly was, like, shook for a moment, where uh, I, I, I really, of all of the things that took place in the film that we've sit here and talked about and debated, and like I said, I believe this will continue to be discussed and debated for years to come, that is something that I feel was such a poor choice. It was just so... It, like it, it almost pulled me out of the realm of Haddonfield and Halloween. It was so jarring. <laughs> it's Did anybody watch the entirety of the credits to see if it does cut to the the, the Halloween theme at some point? I, or I did not. It does. I did not. It does. Okay. I, I figured yeah. they did use yeah. Yeah. the end end of it, but okay. So yeah, I didn't stay either. Nor did I keep it on after I watched some Peacock the second time. But yeah, don't fear the Reaper. It plays in the first movie for like three seconds when it's on the radio. But apparently that's the iconic song they want to end on, you know, with, with uh, Hawkins and, and uh, Lori talking outside of her house. Like, oh, everything's fine. It's so good. Um, it's like, yeah, and that's, you know, just kind of the end. You know, Michael is dead. She still has the mask because she didn't throw it into the thresher. So, 
you got to believe that she has that mask, and that's it. That's going to be her trophy. But that's such a weak fucking ending. And, and like you had said, Dean, maybe people will talk about this movie uh, 5, 10, 15 years, whatever, and, and appreciate it better. But that's an argument about Halloween 3, where it's like Halloween 3, they made a point to say, Michael is not in this fucking movie. Stop working for him. He's not in this movie. They made marketing that- campaign saying he's not in it. He's not here. Not like, only that, they even, they even went further with Halloween 3. They yep. purposefully make you see that it was a fictional film. In the world of Halloween 3, the Halloween movies exist. Yep. Yeah. On yeah. the television. Yes, they did. And, and like I said, it's, and, and look, Halloween, Halloween 3 now, all of this time later, you know, in, in 2022 is – is considered a, a smaller classic and it has much appreciation within in the yep. genre. And I'm not necessarily saying that that is time like marches on that that, that well yeah, but I'm I'm not my I don't think my point is that in twenty years from now people are gonna look back and, you know, think you know, that there's gonna be some massive shift where people are gonna think that Halloween ends is, is some classic. But I do think that of of the three films of this modern trilogy, that that is the one that is going to be continuously discussed and debated and continually reevaluated over the years, more so than 2018 and, and, and Halloween ends. I mean, Halloween kills. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I would like to see that. You know, in a couple of years, if people are, are still talking about Halloween ends and, and you're going to have the, the pro people, you're going to have the con people, um, and we'll see if that's done. Um, but, Ghoul, I know you have to jump off because he didn't check out the movie this week. Yeah, I'm a pop well, up. Still, what makes you think there are not some things about Halloween that I still want to mention that we didn't get to cover? No, let's well, do it We'll do another round. No, there was just there was just one <laughs> thing that I that I did want to bring up because we kind of glossed over, okay. uh, you know, part of Corey's killing spree specifically uh, when it comes to the junkyard. Um, mm. And one of the things, and I and I distinctly had these thoughts while uh, this sequence was playing itself out. Uh, you know, one of the things that I remember talking about in like horror news portion of, of the show, uh, you know, all of the different things they were telling us uh, about Halloween ends leading up to Halloween ends, uh, that, uh, you know, this is going to be different than you expect. And uh, they even said you're going to see more of what's like a coming of age story with like shades of Christine. Right. Um, yeah. And like having that mindset, one having that mindset, like like for me personally, was something that I was actively thinking about during the film, which is interesting to me because it's like, it's like Corey is Arnie Cunningham and Michael Myers is is the car, um, yeah. but yeah. in in the in the that. junkyard, in the junkyard sequence, uh, there were certainly uh, shades of of Christine the film uh, as uh, the John Carpenter yeah. film as as as. You know, so, like, I just felt it was important to bring that up and, you know, the different things that they kind of put in there and pay tribute because, without question, there were shades of Christine when, uh, in the film, after uh, Christine uh, is completely uh, rebirthed after um, after he's destroyed, after she's destroyed um, by uh, Mucci and, um, you know, the, the I, I can't yeah. think of the... A buddy Repperton and, and, and that whole crew. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, when Christine goes out and takes them all out, uh, you know, like I, I thought, I thought I had like big shades of that in that in that junkyard sequence when Corey was in the in the tow truck, um, in the uh, in the junkyard in that in that sequence. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, you know, and, and there's always going to be more to talk about with Halloween Ends, um, but I wanted to, to hop into what we have to talk about the movie for this week. Uh, so, again, go. I know you can't join us because you didn't watch it, but do you have a pick for us for next week? What are you going to be uh, talking it's about? It's not my pick. I think it's the monkey's pick. No, we, it's going to be you and then uh, monkey and then... Uh, no, it goes, it, it no, goes no, the no, monkey and it just goes back to normal. Yeah, so okay. it's monkey next. It's right. you switched with Dean, remember? That's right. So we'll figure it out at the end. You know, we'll we'll figure something out. But all right, uh, all right. I've already we'll got a, I've already got a pick. <laughs> all right. So we'll talk to you next week. Uh, enjoy the rest of your night, buddy. Peace out. <clears throat> okay. So we are talking about the movie for tonight, which is The Passenger, uh, directed by Raúl Cereza and Fernando González Gómez from 2022. This is your pick, Dean. Uh, give us a synopsis of what you thought about it, and let's uh, kick it off. Uh, yes, we have uh, what we would call uh, the passenger or La Pasajara uh, from uh, it's debated. <laughs> what? What are you? What are you yelling about? What is he yelling about? I said C. Uh, but anyway, I said C. Uh, I was agreeing with you, Andy. Ah, C, C, C. Cállate por favor. Tú tienes poco grande, no bueno. So anyway, uh, uh, we have some some C C. Uh, basura boca. Uh, we we um, <laughs> have we have the passenger, which uh, you know, in some places it's noted as a film from 2021, in some places it's noted as from 2022. But anyway, here we have it, uh, directed by Fernando Gonzalez Gomez and Raúl Torreso. And in this film, we have uh, a group of strangers who are uh, in a ride share in a van uh, where. Um, we have different and distinct and argumentative personalities and uh, the driver of the van, uh, Velasco, he accidentally uh, hits a woman on the road in the dark of night and they decide to help her and they bring her into the van and, and, and soon learn uh, that was possibly, well not possibly, that it was quite the mistake uh, to bring this new passenger uh, into their journey. So that is the the loose um, the loose uh, synopsis of this particular film. What did you think about it? Uh, it was okay. I felt that I really liked the story, and I certainly liked uh, the relationship between Blasco and Marta, and how that was developed. Mm-hmm. And I thought that Blasco was truly an, an excellent character. Um, I feel that the plot was interesting, but I felt that, uh, you know, the special effects that were, um, I guess you could say, hampered by by budgetary constraints, possibly, uh, kind of took away from it at times. But but I kind of liked The Passenger. Okay. Monkey, what do you think about The Passenger? Uh, so, we have yet another small cast horror movie. Seriously, what mm-hmm. the hell is up with small cast horror movies? Like, the, but this one, I'm going to give it a pass because I believe they were trying to film this during the pandemic. But um, mm-hmm. all you other motherfuckers out there, I call shenanigans. There's no fucking way that any movie cast should ever, ever, ever be ten people or less. But that's, but that, you know, but that's just me. Just out of curiosity, because um, I feel like, uh, hold on, I just want to, I want to jump in real quick right here, monkey, because I'm, yeah. I, I, if I think about it, I can't recall 
um, hearing hearing your thoughts on small cast horror films. Is this, is this something that you have shared with us before? I feel like this is the first time I've oh, heard yeah. about this. He's notorious for not oh, like small cast. Okay, okay. Now you're being so, sarcastic. So, uh, no, no, I'm so really not. So, no, so, so, so when, when, like, ones that jump to mind real quick, when we've covered films like like the battery, which which is an incredibly small cast, almost two people the whole time. Like those are drawbacks for yeah. those kinds of films to you. Yeah, hang me with a rope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, good to know. Uh, I, I, yes, I, 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 yeah. I disagree. I disagree with that. But 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 go ahead. Continue. Uh, Sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah, same same thing with uh, the M Night Shyamalan movie Elevator and shit like that. Uh, but yeah, Devil, not Elevator. Uh, just, uh, yeah, thank you. But yeah. Like, and like I was getting ready to say, like I always say, if you only have a small cast to work with, then your writing has to be really, really, really good. And I thought this film delivered. It was a good horror movie with some good bits of humor thrown in. I was really pleasantly surprised with this. You know, were there a couple slow spots? Well, yeah, there were, because that's you only had 10 people in the whole fucking movie. <laughs> But it was still a fun movie. It was some, uh, you know, in my opinion, I thought the effects were fucking, you know, kick ass. You know, I really, really like the effects. So, you know, fun, fun horror movie, bits of humor, and uh, good special effects made it, it for an interesting run. So, King, what did you think of La Pasajora? <laughs> I just, I didn't care for it. I mean, it, it's not like I hated it. It wasn't like when it ended, I was like, I hate this movie. Like, I just... I didn't really have any opinion. I was just kind of like, oh, you know, it's okay. I, I was so confused by a lot of it where I was just kind of like, okay, uh, it, I guess it's aliens. Like, I guess that's what it is. And they, they transfer themselves kind of like, uh, you know, uh, Night of the Creep style. Um, you know, the effects are great. But like I said, overall, I was just kind of like, eh, yeah, it's a movie. <laughs> yeah, just, it didn't really land for me. I just couldn't wait wow, for it to be over. Wow, you really just say it's one. a movie? <laughs> yeah, because the cop of the ghoul who says that, and I appreciate that. But yeah, I just, you know, at a certain point, I was like, I just want to go home. <laughs> I just, I'm not having fun. Like I just, I just want this movie to be over. You know, I was like, oh, it's going to end, and all of a sudden, like, no, we got to keep going. So I was like, all right, I just, I didn't get any of the humor. I didn't get really much of anything other than I like the effects. Um, you know, but uh, you know, we'll carry on because we want to get into this. So we have the movie opening with a couple bursting out of the woods. Uh, they're looking at their phone, a reception, a woman enters and scares the man that enters the woods. They're looking for a town, and a mysterious person attacks both of them, and she's all fucked up, and it freaks them out. And then she gurgles a bunch of shit before attacking and killing the man, the passenger. You know, so now we know we're, we're getting into it. Um, and like we had said, we cut to a guy, Carlos Blasco, just loving up on his van, Nessa, as we'll find out, because that's Nessa, his yeah. van, Nessa. Um, and let me tell you something. I, I love new, their relationship. Um, <laughs> yes, look, I, I, I am a van owner, and um, you know, use my van for for adventure and whatnot. And you know, like mm-hmm. I love, I love my van. You know, like it's not my everyday yeah, driving yeah. vehicle, but I have a van for camping and recreation, and I fucking love my van, man. So yeah, like I totally yeah. get that fucking relationship that he's having. Oh, completely. I I got that because the same way I am with the Black Dahlia, my car. Like yeah, I, I say good morning say, to her every day. <laughs> I fucking love the Black Dahlia. I mean, you know, I kiss the steering wheel every morning, and I'm like, we're gonna have a good day, you know. And it's just, it, so I got that. I was like, yeah, I could totally get that because you can love a car just like a person, you know. Especially Blasco's like, yeah, I'm, just, I'm working up the courage to ask her to marry me one day. That got me a laugh. So 
you know, <laughs> this whole movie. Um, so he ends up picking up a passenger, Mariella, who talks about when he talks about religion with her and Spanish football. You know, she decides I don't want to hear about it anymore, so she's out drowning out with the headphones. And then he stops and picks Cut. up Marta and her mother Lydia. You know, there's plenty of friction between the mother and daughter. You know, but it's fine. Marta also has an odd scar on her face, so we'll get to find out what happened to her. All of these women are going to Valgard, you know, so that's where they're going on this rideshare. So that's Carlos. <laughs> yeah. So Carlos, you know, is a bit of a misogynist, maybe a little bit racist, but he's kind of fun. So, you know, Mariella wants to know why they're not taking any big roads, but, you know, if you're cheap, you're going to get the back road. So Carlos ends up standing on the brakes gets out of Nessa to see a bunch of broken glass and shit on the road. And he goes, and starts to almost vomit. So it must smell, but it's just broken glass. But then he eventually discovers something toxic in the woods. You know, it's like UFO shit. You know, it's like, okay, this is kind of like the thing, kind of like body <laughs> snatchers. And it's just a pulsing mass everywhere. Um, Marta has a problem with biting her fingernails, and she ends up cutting herself by biting herself. So she's got blood on her fingernail. She finds one of these masses in the woods and tries to touch it, but it snaps at her. Uh, we're going to get to that because she finds out that there's a little bit of a worm issue. So Carlos is like, we're getting the fuck out of here. Everyone gets back into the van, and as they drive away, we see more polling shit. Lydia discovers that Mariella is wearing a wig, must be going to see a medical worker. Actually, she's going to see her dad, who went out for a pack of smokes one day and never came back, as you do. Um, so she's going to find out where he's from and what he's all about. We find out that Lydia uh, has a story about Marta and how her husband was drunk one night, too drunk to drive, ended up crashing the car. It caught fire. Marta was saved, but now she has to live with these scars. And she's like, you know what? I feel really bad. I'm going to drop her off with her dad. I'm going to London to work. So it kind of sucks, but I got to do it. Got to do it for the job. <laughs> so man, I was like, nah, that's cool. Um, so, we cut to Marta going into a trance-like state as she stares at the road ahead. Carlos and Lydia panic. Carlos doesn't see the person on the road and hits him. Marta wakes up from her state, and Mariella demands that Carlos go back and look for the person he hit. They find the person is a female. She's breathing, not dead. I think this is a woman from earlier, from the cold open, that got attacked with her, with her whoever he was, yeah. boyfriend, uh, brother. It is. Um, but her <laughs> face is all deformed and yeah. shit. So they decide to load her up into the van, take her in the nearest hospital. Mariella tries to get the woman to talk to her by speaking to her in English. The woman wakes up and starts attacking Mariella. The woman gets on top of Mariella and then just sticks a whole bunch of KY jelly into her mouth. Does it kill her? Uh, Does it not? We don't know because we just see Mariella starting to transform in the fucking Toxic Avenger in the back seat. Her face and... is bubbling, it's deforming, you know, and it's like, what the fuck is happening? You know, but she is turning into something. So the woman, okay, I guess it's dead now because it transferred whatever was inside of her into Mariella. Mariella attacks Lydia. Carlos and Marta hear none of this as they're just talking about music. And as Lydia is being attacked, she pulls the face off the dead woman that they found, and she tosses it at the van's divider to get Carlos <laughs> and Marta's attention. And it works, because Carlos is like, oh, shit, and he slams on the brakes. Marta jumps out to help her mom, while Carlos runs around freaking the fuck out, and he just wants to take the fuck off. And earlier, that bitten fingernail caused it to bleed comes back in, and she's unable to pull her mom from Mariella's grip. So Carlos runs in, 
he grabs a guitar because, as he had said earlier, he was in a band, and then he just kind of lightly taps Mariella with the, the guitar so he could just put her down, trying to save Mar Marta and Lydia. Of course, once they get a moment to catch their breath, they decide to split up because this is a horror movie, right? We all got to split up. We can't stay together. There's no good <laughs> numbers. So then all of a sudden we get an evil yeah. dead Raimi cam as Carlos climbs a tree while well, Lydia and Marta make their way through the woods with Marta finding alien shit in her fingernail wound. And as Carlos is in the tree, he spots Mariella hunting around. So Lydia, yeah, wanting to do a little okay. bit of pocket okay. surgery. Yeah, but, yeah, go ahead. but also, it's like we have this thing here where, you know, we're having a hard time trying to figure out if Blasco is a straight-up coward or is he actually trying to be a little <laughs> bit honorable here because he said, you know, mentions that, you know, no, I pissed her off earlier. She's going to come after me. So how about you guys go off and hopefully she'll come after me, you know, and then get, <laughs> Blasco gives him his knife. You know, going, okay, here you go. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, we're so, all going to split but at the same up. Time, yeah, good luck. <laughs> but at the yeah. same time, we're not sure if he's just being selfish and looking after himself. Yeah, he's looking out for A number one, which is what everybody should do in that situation. Like, I don't know you. Like, you're not my family. You're not somebody I love. So we're all just going to break and go. Um, so Lydia eventually gets the worm out of Marta's fingernail, which causes her to return to normal. But we also have Mariella on the hunt. And she ends up getting onto the ground, and the worm makes contact with Mariella, and then she's just off. So then Lydia, as they get to a clearing, she tells Marta, we got to split up again. Like, everybody wants to fucking go away from each other. She's like, yeah, we got to split up. Uh, you know what? You're going to survive, and we're just apart. So just go. And she's like, I don't want to leave you. You're my mom. And she's like, dude, fuck. I'm so fucking tired of your clinginess. Can you just fucking go? <laughs> just go off into the woods and go find help. Go find rescue. I'm going to be here armed with a rock. And she's like, okay, fine. So Marta runs off, and Lydia is left by herself. Marta eventually runs back into Carlos, uh, but they have a run-in where Mariella is shrieking in the woods somewhere. So the two make it back to the van. He tells her they have to go, leave her mom behind. We have to save ourselves. And she tells him promptly, fuck off. I need my mom. I'm not leaving without my mom. But then she sees Mariella coming. Fuck that. Drive, man, drive. So Carlos asks what happened to her finger, and she says that the thing gets inside you and controls you, kind of like a parasite, maybe. So as Carlos drives, you see the gas indicator come on, and while a gas station is 15 kilometers away, he doesn't notice that she's bleeding gas like Nessa taking one long, satisfying piss. So I said, fuck, <laughs> that trail is not good. We need to get someplace. So Nessa finally breaks down, and they have to push her the rest of the way. And we see there's a sticker for Belasco's pest control on the rear of the van. So not only is he a rideshare guy, he's got a pest control, he's got a former band, so he's got his fingers in a lot of pies. So Well don't Blasco forget he was also a bullfighter, yeah. which is why he has one <laughs> yes, damaged right. guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was a matador, um, which is why they also have a, a bullfighting sword in the back of the the van as well. <laughs> which he called bullshit on because she's like, you're probably just fucking telling him this shit and he's like, No, I actually was so it's one of those things where it's like, are you talking to me like you're just building yourself up or you actually were a matador, but we'll find out later. Um, so they arrive at the station with Carlos telling Marta that it's an easy fix for the van, but the gas station attendant, Maxie, isn't there. Marta starts having a panic attack, but Carlos manages to calm her down. He's not leaving her side, but you know what? I actually am going to leave your side because I'm going to go to the village and try to siphon some gas and then come back. So if Maxie comes, just tell him, you know what? It's all good. 
you know, Nessa just needs some gas, you know me, and everything's going to be fine. So she walks herself in the van, and then Carlos goes into the next village where he's going to siphon some gas from a car. And I just love the fact that they actually show it. <laughs> Puts the tube in there, starts sucking it out. It's like, that, 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 that. Yeah. I just I love it when they show people trying to siphon gas because it is just fucking gross. Um, yeah. And, but, and also the, t- the, t- the town is beautiful as fuck, but it's completely mm-hmm. deserted. There's not a single soul around, you know, like, which is weird because usually, you know, if you're talking Spain, somebody's up in the middle of the night party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Carlos arrives at the village and begins siphoning gas, as we had said. Marta discovers that her mom is this, like, weird alien thing now. Again, her face is all fucked up. It's mutated. It's distorted. Um, Marta hides from Lydia as Maxie comes back to the station, and then she gets – Lydia attacks Maxie and then just pops his fucking head off like a fucking little Pez dispenser. <laughs> his fucking head pops off and lands, you know. I was like, that was kind of cool. I liked it. Like I said, the special effects are really actually good in this movie. Um, but we cut back to Carlos in the village, and he finds a cat to hang out with, and he's like, hey, what's going on? But there's blood all over this cat, and all of a sudden, Detective Carlos has to go in investigation mode like fucking Batman and figure out where this cat is going and what's happening. And that's when he discovers that in this house that the cat had gone into, there's a guy with a head off. Well, that's something. So these aliens just want to <laughs> pop fucking heads off. <laughs> you know? So if they find you, that's what's going to happen. Uh, so Carlos notices that the gas is starting to spill over in the container. He dashes over, gets it, as Lydia attacks the van with Marta hiding underneath. Carlos returns, and she tells him that the alien mom was just there, and we see her scaling the van. They need to go fucking go. So as they drive, Carlos starts to cough and stretch, and Marta's like, oh, fuck, it's money more from alien time. No, it's just a cough. He just, you know, has a cough. It's fine. He also has a head wound that Marta attends to as it starts to rain outside. Here comes the rain again. So Lydia also shows up on the roof of the van, banging on it, which is only a small problem because Carlos manages to get her off the roof and run her the fuck over like she owns him money. That's just love how he's just backing his van over Lydia as she lays in the road. So, but she's not back dead. Forth, back she's forth. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, he fucking backs it over. Lydia's in the passenger seat, and she's like, just fucking go. So he thinks that she's dead, but she's not because she gets back up. And Marta, process that mama trauma later. And she doesn't even have time. <laughs> she just Go fucking go. Um, so Carlos and Marta continue to drive with Carlos commenting his head hurts and he's thirsty. They need a password in case they split up. Maybe paso doble, maybe? You know, that could be good. Marta's like, whatever, that's fucking stupid. Oh, like, no, we should do that. <laughs> so Carlos begins to feel dizzy and passes out as he stops the van. Woody is back, so he might want to run or some shit, but no. The van's radio comes back on to keep Woody from attacking Marta. She's just kind of transfixed on the music. So Marta manages to get out of the passenger seat and climb into the back of the van where things are getting kind of goopy. Because Lydia is just, <laughs> just fucking dropping fucking saliva all over the place as she climbs underneath her mom to get a water bottle that's in the back seat. Um, but once in the front seat, Carlos falls forward on the van's horn, which causes Lydia to go into berserker mode. Just banging on that partition you know, trying to get through, <laughs> trying to go. But then we see that there's this weird old alien thick-ass cock monster that comes sliding out of Lydia's mouth into the front of the van. Yeah! Carlos is passed out. 
just dropping it in. I fucking love it. And then he begins strangling Carlos. I'm like, dude, cock monster. (laughs) Just seeing the head of that thing, I was like, yep, that's what it is. And it's just fucking stuck to strangle Carlos. As he wakes up, he's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I'm going to die here. I don't want to die here. (laughs) Welcome to hentai. (laughs) Because this is where we are. It was fucking hentai. (laughs) It was so weirdly fucking hentai. I was like, oh, Monkey's got to be enjoying this. He's like, oh, fuck, I'm so hard. (laughs) Calm down. Um, so, Marty Don't jumps in the passenger seat. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not trying to edge you, bro. <laughs> so, Marty jumps in the passenger seat and uses the van's cigarette lighter to burn the cock monster and save Carlos. Lydia tries grabbing at Marta, but Carlos throws Nessa in the drive and takes off. But not before Lydia makes it back into the rear of the van where she manages to break the glass partition and grabs on the Marta. With no other choice, Carlos is like, baby, baby, Nessa. I'm so sorry. We had a lot of good adventures, but we're going to see each other in hell. And he just Lord fucking Jesus. slams that fucking van into a tree. No other choice. And I don't know how it ended up on his side, but it does. Because we see Carlos waking up Imagine in the Imagine the movies, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know. If you're slamming your van into a tree, it's probably going to you know, explode or whatever. But no, this one lands on its side. Uh, Carlos goes looking for Marta, and he finds her in the back of the van. And she tells him the password, Pesce Doble, to show that she's still human. So as the two prepare for the film's credits to roll, the cock monster thing lashes out at Marta, wrapping around her leg, pulling her to the ground. And Woody appears and begins chewing on Marta's ear. And then all of a sudden, yes, monkey, we get to see Carlos's expertise as a matador, where he takes off his shirt, you know, and then has that sword, and he's like, come on at me. Come on. Ole, ole, ole. Oh, you. <laughs> like, okay. So, he is in full matador mode, trying to get Lydia away from Marta, but then Lydia manages to overpower Carlos, and then throat fucks him with the cock monster. As we see his eyes oh, just fucking bulging out of the skull, and he's being so choked oh, out by the cock monster. This is really why Blasco has established the safety word. <laughs> <laughs> Cinnamon, cinnamon, cinnamon. <laughs> I didn't hear you. So, as he's being gagged out by the cock monster, Marta shows up using the Matador's sword, and she stabs Lydia through the back of her head, and it comes out of her mouth. So, of course, it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Again, like, you could end the movie here if you really kind of wanted to. I mean, you know, it's fine. You know, if you wanted to just end the movie with them being like, you know what? Fuck it. There we go. We got a little music cue. That's nice. Uh, we could end this movie what? here, and it would be okay, you know, with them walking away from Lydia's dead body. But then all of a sudden, out of the skull of Lydia comes this little fucking alien creature that reminded me of Freddy Krueger so from cute. Part Five, when he was Baby Freddy in Part Five, the Dream Child. And it's like, oh, oh, and I was like, oh, that's adorable. Like, I want to make friends with it. <laughs> I wanted to take it home and feed it. Like, That's my buddy. Yeah, just I was like, half expected him to smile and, and, and wave. And be like, Hello. <laughs> yeah, and then also put on a top hat and just be like, hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my lifetime. <laughs> we should take this on the fucking road. We should just take this on the road and make fucking money, Carlos. Oh, yeah, we got we to gotta contain it. <laughs> it's just... It was so weird because that's the thing. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but it's just like it was such a weird thing where it's, 
there's no real point to these aliens. Like, they're just kind of beings. You know, they just kind of come yeah. out of nowhere, and they're just, like, when they saw, when they saw it in the woods in the beginning, well, it was just kind of in the woods, like, pulsating. Yeah. Well, well, they're yeah. here, and, yeah. and maybe, maybe they don't have a greater purpose. Maybe they don't have a, a right. reason, but yeah. for whatever reason, they've crashed here, and now they're just doing what they do, too. Yeah, it's like go ahead, monkey. You're you're just talking. You're just talking alien infection. Parasite. Hey. <laughs> that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're just talking parasite infection, alien infection. You know, it doesn't need to have a purpose, King. This is like you know some of your favorite zombie movies. It doesn't need a purpose. They're just there to infect oh. and to grow. So you, you, that that's all there is. And you don't need to over-explain it like an American Godzilla movie. You, you just no, let yeah. it happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. But, but, and you're but, right about zombie movies, too, you know, to an extent. I just, I just, I don't know. It was just kind of like, it was, it was okay, you know, the fact that they just had these kind of different things. But, you know, it's just the transference of things. Uh, I don't know. I was just kind of confused. <laughs> I just, I didn't, plus, plus I mean, early, I should, plus, yeah. it, Sorry, and then... Earlier in the movie, you saw them spreading all through the woods and stuff like that, decaying not, not, not only animals and stuff like that, but decaying plant forms as well. It's like, you know, it was an all-encompassing kind of infection, you know, going all across yeah. the Spanish countryside. So it wasn't oh, just no, particularly, yeah. you know, carbon organisms, you know, carbon beings. It was plants as well. No, and we'll get there. It's just It was just one of those things where um, – yeah, like I said, I don't know. It was one of those things where I kept thinking about, like, the blob. Like, the blob, you know, comes from outer space. It lands in a field, and then somebody's like, what the fuck is this? And then all of a sudden it infects them and then eats them. I'm like, I kind of liked it like that. Like, this movie, they just, it's just there. Like, it's just kind of there in the countryside, you know, just popping up randomly, um, and then they discover it, you know. It's, it's, because they like, crash the weird shapes of things. Maybe it was, they were never even supposed to be there because again the ship crashed on the planet. Maybe something was wrong. Maybe it crashed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's just again, it was me putting too much thought into the story. Where I was like, I kind of wanted more on the background of like what it was, and you know. But again, you're only getting one night into a day where it's like we don't have enough time. Whether the budget restraints were there. I mean, again, I like the effects, but. I don't know. Like, I, I wasn't mad at it, but I was just kind of confused at the story, like, about how they can infect people and turn them into these weird ball bulging, you know, head creatures that attack. Like, they don't try to rip you apart. They're not like zombies that try to eat you. You know, they just kind of attack you, and then you're dead, you know, and then they try to transfer it into you. And, you know, it's especially with Marta. Like, Marta was so puzzling because she's not – she's infected, I guess, in a way. Um, because we do see her eyes turn weird uh, at certain points. Well, when, the, when it was but in her finger, that, yeah, for sure. Yeah, once the, the once that worm was taken out, you would think that she's fine. Like she's not gonna, she's not infected anymore. She even says like they want to infect you, but that worm's gone. But you know, as we'll get into the the last act of the movie, that's what I wanted to talk about because it's it's a weird one. But we're gonna get there. Um, so, as Carlos and Marta walk away from Wendy's body, an alien, like we said, but a cute little alien emerges, and he's like, "Hey, everybody, I'm here!" And they're like, "Aw," but no. Instead, they <laughs> grab a lighter and bug spray, and then Kelly's like, "Oh no, I'm gonna have a movie!" Like, you know, no, nope, you're dead. <laughs> you know, 
and they ended up killing you. Um, Carlos kills the little monster just as the tape player in the van kicks on. Carlos and Marta share a dance, but not before he kisses her on the forehead and thankfully not on the lips because I was like, oh, don't go that way. Don't go that way, please, please, please. So <laughs> you're, you're not, you're, she's too young. No, 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 he kisses no, no. Her on the he's, forehead. He's, he's, he's taking her as like a daughter kind of role now. Yeah, well, I'm glad that this, they did that because at a certain point I'm like, he's going to want to fuck her. Because especially when he first meets her and he pulls down the sunglasses, he's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, no, don't. Don't you fucking dare, Carlos. She's too young for you. You know, focus on the mob. Well, I, I yellow, do think no. on, his, on his first glance, and I think it was unclear because of the, the big sunglasses and everything, I, I think at first it was, un, it was kind of unclear uh, how old she was. And then once she right. kind of came more into focus and took off her glasses, like, oh, she's, she's a kid. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Like, like you said, Dean, when she first got introduced, I'm like, is she like, in her 20s? Is she, you know, what, what age is she? But when she takes off the sunglasses, like you had said, all of a sudden, you're like, okay, that's a child. Like, that's clearly, you know, a preteen. Um, and I think the actual actress was born in 2004. So, yeah, made me feel old. When I saw when she was born, God, <laughs> I don't like that, <laughs> you know. But no, so and and I thought that she did a great job, and I thought that the payoff about how, how she got those scars is good. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so Nessa dies as they share a dance together, and then eventually the tape that had been stuck in that uh, cassette player pops out. So you know, it's like <laughs> okay, so we get that ending of Nessa. So <laughs> once so she Nessa dies, you could have the. Uh-huh. <laughs> is that Christine? No, it's Vanessa. <laughs> you know, but yeah, again, <laughs> like I just, I, I loved how much he loved that van. Because again, like I said, with Black Dahlia, the Dean with his car, like we get it. <laughs> it's not a person, but at the same time, you just, you treat her like it. You know, when I get gas, I'm like, you like that, don't you? You're thirsty. You're a thirsty girl, aren't you? <laughs> you know? I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> do that, by the way. Van. I, I don't do. Go that I do. Because, you know, that's my lady. <laughs> you know, women come and go, but cars, you know, they take care of you. They get you to where you need to go, so you got to take care of them. Oil changes, car washes, gas. <laughs> you, know, she, you know, so, yeah, I, I get the whole Vanessa thing. I just I love the fact that, you know, he's like, I'll see you in hell. We'll be together. Um, <laughs> so the next day, the two make it to the Vista Allegra restaurant. They discover it empty. And while Martin decides to go to the bathroom, Carlos decides he needs a drink. You know, he's been through a fucking lot. His head fucking hurts, tossing his hat aside. So we see Marta fishing up and finishing up in the bathroom, and Carlos pours himself a drink. As we see, the bartender is dead behind the bar, missing a head. Again, it's like Oh, head. no. So, so we see <laughs> that he's gone. So Marta starts to pull a fucking Danny Torrance from The Shining with her fucking wounded finger as she looks in the mirror. And she's like, hello. <laughs> you know, so it's amazing. Hello, Mrs. I just Torrance. stopped it, Shannon. <laughs> yeah. There's no one here, Mrs. Torrance. <laughs> the way that she wiggles her finger in front of the mirror, but as she does that, all of a sudden we get this fucking covering of thick jelly on her finger from the ceiling. And she's like, well, that's new. <laughs> well, where is that coming from? But we don't cut back to her because Carlos is attempting to light a cigarette as the power goes out in the restaurant. And then a bunch of fucked up alien people enter as well. But again, this is where I was kind of laughing because 
they're not all fucked up like Mariella and Lydia. Like, one girl is just kind of standing there, and she's got a little bit of blood on her, and she's like, hello. I'm like, so they take different forms? Because there were some fucked up people, like, standing there, but there was that one little girl, and there was another person. I'm like, they, there's nothing wrong with them. Just fucking hanging out. Like, these extras <laughs> in this movie. Like, just, just act like you're an alien. Okay. Uh, is that good? See. <laughs> it's going to be so good. So we see these people appear, and then Marta walks out, and her eyes change into alien eyes as Carlos looks at the camera, cheers us, ready for the next fight, and we cut the credits. So to me, that was kind of like a weird Shaun of the Dead vibe that I got from that. Like when Sean's going over the plan, and he always has something in his hand, whether it's a coffee mug, whether it's a beer, you know, every plan ends with him winking at the camera and cheersing us. So I kind of liked it in a way. <laughs> it's kind of fun. But again, with Marta, like, I, you know, I, I guess because she forgot how Band-Aids work. Like, if she had put a Band-Aid over that wound, she would have been fine. But no, she gets infected, you know, at the end of the movie and then shows up with her eyes being all fucked up. I'm like, I guess I could deal with that. I don't know. I didn't care for it. I was like, just, you would think she would have wrapped that fucking finger up at a certain point. No, I took like, it as she got attacked again in the bathroom. Because that's where all the yeah, slime was coming from, was someone up top. And, yeah, and she got attacked, and then, therefore, despite no matter what else the finger did, yeah, she was fucked. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, she was fucked. You know, she definitely was. Yeah. And it's just, you know, uh, uh, again, you know, uh, poor Blasco throughout the entire movie just trying to get one cigarette, and he couldn't get a cigarette, and at the very end, still trying to get that last cigarette, and then she goes wrong. <laughs> Everyone shows up, and he's just like, fuck, really? <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, like, once he realizes that, and he's like, fuck, really? Like, this is what I'm going to have to do? I just love the fact that he just picks up that drink and he cheers the camera. Cheers! Because he knows he's going to have to fight. <laughs> you know, and that's what I love about it. I was like, like I said, it was that weird kind of Shaun of the Dead vibe, but also after everything he's been through, I mean, he's probably going to have to kill Marta at a certain point, even though he, he obviously cares for her. But, you know, she's, she's gone. Like, I'd, I'd like to think that. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, there's yeah. no going back, and, you know, and, and that's it. Um, you know, but I like movies that end that way. Like, he even says in dialogue, he's like, I finally got a happy ending. Like, I finally got a happy yeah. ending. We're going to be okay. And then all of a sudden it's like, fuck, no, there's no happy ending. Um, you know, and like I've always said, Monkey, I love horror movies that have that just bad ending where it's like, yeah, there's no, you know, I'm going to see the next day and be like, I'm fine. Like, no, I like it where it's like, fuck, like, no matter what we do, yeah. we're stuck. You know, we survived, but did we really? Like, we're going to have to lose this trauma. You know, I like how it yeah, ends. Like, I, um, uh, I agree with you. Yeah. I, like, yeah, you know, but you should, have you guys ever seen Troll 2? No, a long, long time ago. I don't really, I don't remember. It's a fucking horrible fucking movie, like MST3K horrible movie, um, directed by Claudio Fergasso, who's an Italian uh, Jawa director from the 70s. But the fucking movie, you have these trolls attacking this family in this village, and they finally defeat the evil, and they're like, everything's fucking great. You know, they make it home. And the mom and the dad, they go into the house with the kids, and they're like, all right, we're home. Everything's going to be all right. And then all of a sudden, the kid emerges from his bedroom, and he's like, what the fuck? Like, where are my mom? Where's my dad? Where's my brother? And everything like that. And 
a baseball is thrown down the stairs that says, we ate your mom, yummy, yummy. And he goes into the fucking kitchen, and there's a bunch of trolls eating his fucking naked mom on the kitchen table. He starts screaming his head off, and it goes to credits. I was like, that's the fucking movie. (laughs) That's how you end a fucking movie, with this little nine-year-old kid seeing his mom stripped naked on a fucking table, covered in goo, and a bunch of fucking trolls eating her. So if you ever have a chance to see Troll 2, like, it's a horrible movie. Like, it's so funny, so bad. But that ending sticks it. Like, I love it when they do that. Um, just like we talked about earlier with Halloween Ends. Like, if they ended with Michael grabbing on the Lori, dragging her down into the crusher, and all of a sudden you freeze frame on her face knowing that she's dead, perfect. That, I, I would have been Disagree. so fucking happy. If it, well, I know you do. I know. But at the same time, I appreciate the fact that you kind of liked it, Dean. You know, because I, I didn't, you know, but I, there was an article that got written, and we're going to close up the episode in a minute, but there was a, an article that was written saying how the critics that didn't like Halloween ends are wrong. And I hate that. I do. Because if you're a critic and you don't like something, it's okay. Like, you shouldn't have anybody telling you that you're wrong for well, having that opinion. Everyone's a critic, man. You know? Everybody is. So if you liked it, if you didn't like it, that's fine. Like, I, I'm not detracting from anybody that liked it. Like you said, Dean, you liked it. I didn't say, well, you're fucking wrong. Like, no, it's, that's cool. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. Your slow down. Slow down. All right. Let's not put some information uh, in my mouth. I didn't say that I liked no, I, it. I, I said I had I mixed, 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 mixed feelings that kind of yeah. lean towards liking right. it. But I didn't say, like, you're wrong. I didn't there's say a, you're wrong for difference. having that opinion. Yeah. But, again, I didn't say you're wrong for having that opinion. Like, and that's the thing. We're all allowed to have our own opinion. If you love something, if you hate it, that's fine. But these, it just, in this day and age, like, we shouldn't be telling people that they're wrong for not liking something or for loving something. Like, there's plenty of people that love Terrifier, too, like, including some people that I'm friends with. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just have no interest in seeing that movie. But if you liked it, great. Like, I You're wrong that. Like, for I'm not liking it. the never-ending yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, but I never got that. I never got that once. I never got that from, from the monkey. I never got that from the diva. You know, I never got that, well, if you didn't like this, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, they never said that to me, and I appreciated that because they knew I didn't like it, but they weren't shaming me for it. Like, we need to get rid of this fucking toxic fucking culture. I don't know how we're going to do it, but this culture that we're living in now where it's like, if you don't like something, you're fucking like, what the fuck is wrong with you? No, nothing is wrong with you. You just didn't like it, you know, or if you love something and somebody fucking hates it, like that's what, just love it. Like, don't let people tell you that you can't love something, you know, Um, just enjoy for what it is. You know, I just, I don't get it. Like, it just, it hurts to see so much toxicity going through the community where it's like, yeah. I, I love this movie. Well, you're fucking wrong, or I hated it, and you're wrong. No, let's just enjoy what we like. like, you know. Well, like we see all the time in the horror forums and stuff like that that we are a part of, you know, people going, well, yeah. you're not a true horror fan if dot, 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 you know. <laughs> well, fuck you. You don't <laughs> Especially when I know that, you know, half the people that are writing these things are, you know, kids that, you know, have, like, an inkling of the horror knowledge that we have on this show. But at the same time, just going to be like, wow, man, <laughs> if I can just come through there and smack you right across the head. It's like, <laughs> stop being so damn negative. <laughs> 
Yeah, I just, you know, and it's it's just a constant thing that I keep seeing, especially with Halloween ends. You know, like there was a, a guy, I, um, I don't know if you know him, Monkey, uh, Jack Rarer on uh, Facebook. I think you might know who he is. Um, yeah, I know. He put up this whole thing about <laughs> how much he fucking loved Halloween ends. He's like, I fucking loved it, dude. I fucking loved it. And another person commented about it. He's like, I fucking loved it, too. I don't get why people fucking hate it. They don't even want to have explanations as to why they fucking hated it. I put up this clear explanation as to why I didn't like it. I was like, listen, it wasn't terrible, but this is why I didn't like it. And he commented back, well, you're wrong, because this is what I think about it. I'm like, don't. <laughs> you're just, you're just, no, don't do that. Like, you can't be like, well, I hear you, but you're wrong. Like, it's just, you're, that's not a conversation. That's not how a conversation works. Like, you know, you can have disagreeing factors, but at the same time, just kind of agree to disagree. Like, that's what I say about the whole thing. Like, just agree to disagree. You know, I didn't like it. Here are my points. But you can't come back at me with a bunch of other points going, well, this is why you're wrong. <laughs> Stop. Stop it. Just let people like things, let people hate things. Um, but anyway, as we close out the episode, I'm putting my soapbox away. Uh, Mucky, your pick is next week. What do you have for us? Yeah, so next week we're going to cover Evil Dead from 2013. Oh, shit. Fetty Alvarez, baby. Good pick, monkey. Holy <laughs> shit balls. I can't wait to talk about Evil Dead. You know the ghoul is going to be excited about that one. Because the ghoul and I fucking love that movie. So, yeah, it's going to be a great conversation talking about the remake well, of well, Evil Dead in 2013. Oh. Oh, good. Give me off. Well, I watch it finally. You haven't <laughs> seen it? here. This, this, this is going to be Negative. my first time Neither watching it. Have you seen it before? Nope. Nope. Oh, man, God, I can't wait. Like, this is going to be a great conversation. <laughs> I'm excited. Like, thank you, Monkey, for that pick. Because I'm, you know, the goal and I, obviously, we've seen, we've talked about it on the show many fucking times. So yes. I'm looking forward to finally breaking <laughs> it down. Um, I'm hoping you guys enjoy it. We'll see when we get back here next week. But thank you so much again, uh, Dean, for coming in, setting the day, being the host. And we'll see you yes. back here next week for Evil Dead. Sounds good. Be looking forward to it. Let's go back to the cabin. <laughs> so, Monkey, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us for this episode where we talk about how it ends and the passenger. And Man, like, I'm just so happy. <laughs> I can't wait for next week's episode. <laughs> I love Evil Dead from 2013. So I'm so excited to do narration. Like, this is going to be a fun narration for me. <laughs> I just, I, I cannot talk about how much I love this movie. So thank you so much. Yep. So I'm your psychotic Simeon. Thanks for letting me come in here. And everyone... Have a safe and yet sinful Samhain. All right. Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we'll be rejoined by the goal next week for the movie discussion and for horror news and all that good stuff. But as the monkey had said, this Monday is Halloween, the spookiest, the spookiest holiday. It's Samhain. It's fun. It's exciting. I'm so sad we have to end our spooky season this week. But you know what? Spooky season always going to live on in your heart as long as you have it. So, you know what? It doesn't always have to be October. It could be any fucking day of the year. Ask the monkey. He's in my apartment. I have jack-o'-lanterns out all year round because I fucking love <laughs> yeah. Halloween. Halloween doesn't end like the movie did. Halloween is forever. So 
I hope you guys have a lot of fun. I hope you guys dress up. I hope you guys, you know, with kids, go out trick-or-treating. Happy Halloween, everybody. And thank you so much for listening to our show. We'll see you back here next week. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. And don't forget the most important thing, guys. Watch horror movies. Keep America strong.